0: There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky and Rhett with you on the eve of Thanksgiving I uh, hope you guys are enjoying a little downtime. Hopefully, hope you get a little time off and you can enjoy some football tomorrow, uh, which is a, a fascinating slate of games on Thanksgiving. Nothing better than a little turkey in football. We've got a triple header, Packers, Lions, Commanders, Cowboys, 49ers, Seahawks. The first kick is at 1230, followed by a 430 and an 820. So you've got football all day long On Thanksgiving, looking forward to it. And we've got you covered on NFL Network starting at 7 a.m. Eastern with Good Morning Football followed by Game Day Morning. We've got Game Day Highlights. That's going to roll from 3.30, and it's going to go follow up the Washington-Dallas game at 7.30. And then Game Day Highlights uh, following the San Francisco-Seattle game at 11.30. So all your football needs going to be covered uh, throughout the day on NFL Network. All right, let's jump into these games here. Let's start, first of all, the Lions and the Packers. Uh, Buck, Lions-Packers, I saw the Packers last week. Big win for them. Jordan Love, best game as a pro. Uh, But I feel like against this Lions team, he might need to even play better if they're going to go on the road and win this one.
3: Everyone knows how the Lions play on Thanksgiving Day. Like, they kind of turn it up a bit. And this is a time where everyone is excited to watch the Lions because they've been playing and playing really, really well. This is a showcase game, so... The Packers are not only going to have to match the intensity and the energy, they're going to have to match the execution. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it done. The Lions have a balanced offense. They can run it, they can throw it. Defensively, they've been really playing well when it comes to being able to generate sacks and splash plays. To me, I think the Green Bay Packers are stepping into a bus. So I think they're poking the hornets' nest, and uh, we may see the Lions at their best. And we've seen how good they can be when they play and uh, bring their A game.
4: Well, I, I really like how this is this matchup is trending based on, you know, the way the Packers played last week. You know, talking about Jordan Love, you know, having his best game, but still leaving plays out there means there's still, you know, obviously room to grow. You want to figure that part of it out so you can, you know, take advantage of those great opportunities to push the ball down the field. Talked about how we really like the the Packers, you know, young wide receiver core, Jaden uh, Reed, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs all contributing a week ago. Uh, but for me, it just feels like the, the, the Lions just have too much. They're too good up front. Uh, too many options in the backfield and obviously out wide. And now with, if Jamison Williams keeps coming along and they can have that thread of those shot plays with him, obviously Laporta working in the middle of the field, man, I, I just think the Lions have too many answers for the Packers here. So that that's kind of where where I'm leaning on this one. Um, but that's this will obviously be a really, I, I feel like this could be a really fun competitive game here to open up the Thanksgiving slate, DJ.
2: Yeah, to me, I'm I'm with you guys. I like the Lions in this one. The reason why I like the Lions is because of the middle of the field. Seeing them uh, up close last week, you think about the middle of the field, the Chargers able to attack it. You had big plays at tight ends. You had a a drop over the middle of the field um, by Parham on a fourth down. You had another one working in the middle of the field with Keenan Allen uh, that wasn't able to haul in. But when you look at the Lions, they're built inside out. You've got Amon Ra who's going to be doing his work in the slot. You've got Laporta at tight end. I think they're going to be able to wear them out in the middle of the field. So that's why I think the Lions at home, that's a tough matchup. Short week for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I like the Lions to win that ball game. How about commanders and Cowboys, Rhett? What are you looking for in this one?
4: Yeah, I'm just looking for consistency with Dallas, right? I mean, like they've been playing well here the last few weeks, and that connection between Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, I think, is what ultimately wins this game for the Cowboys. Obviously, you'd love to see him continue to try to, you know, run the football and, and have that commitment. Uh, to try to, you know, not let Dak throw it 40 times in this game. But I, man, when they are targeting CD and when he is rolling the way that he has over the course of the last month, that is hard to stop. And I don't know if, I don't know if the commanders have anything in the secondary to deal with him that way. Uh, And obviously they're, you know, they, they sacked, uh, you know, Tommy DeVito a ton uh, this last week with the Giants, but I don't know if that's all on the commanders. (laughs) There's probably a fair amount of that on the Giants and on the young quarterback hanging on to the football a little bit. I don't think Dak's going to do that. As long as they can protect him a little bit, I think he and CeeDee Lamb uh, put up some serious points in this game.
3: No, I think this is a dangerous game for the Dallas Cowboys. Watching the Washington commanders come off that embarrassing loss to the New York Giants. They've been the butt of jokes all week. And so going into a short week of rivalry game, and we know that the Washington Commanders, typically when they play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, it's been some epic games. I think this is one where the, the Commanders rise, rise up and play maybe a little bit above their head. Look for the Commanders to maybe knock off the Cowboys in a surprising upset on Turkey. Whoa! Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Buck calling a,
2: calling a shot yeah. there. H- how are they going to block Dallas, Buck? That's my question. It's I just don't see how they're going to block that them. too. I
3: mean, look, man, look, man, look, man. I, I can't I can't tell you how it's going to get it done. I just can tell you what, the result <laughs> of I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to look like. like I have no evidence based on how they performed against the Giants to be able to outline a plan for how they're going to get it done. I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, don't. I don't need to show my work. I'm just giving you an answer. I'll just give you an answer yeah. like I used to do in all science classes in high school.
2: Okay.
3: I, I like it. Hey, put
2: put it out there. I, they better be ready, though, because this is anytime you're in division game, it's going to be a competitive game. I think you're right. It could be a close. I'll be shocked, though, if they win. Keep it close, maybe. I'll give you that. Uh, but I, I can't see the Dallas Cowboys losing this game. Do we know who's singing, Rhett? Who's singing? Uh, who we got for halftime in this thing? we know? Oh, gosh. No, no idea. Are bring um, I bringing Scott Stapp I, Brett,
4: I, back? No? No, I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> do, is Creed... Uh, Dolly, oh, Dolly Parton Dolly Parton
3: No 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 Yes creed, creed only Cowboys by 30 <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Cousins <laughs> it's
4: cow- yeah. yeah Look If Dolly Parton's playing Buck you want to rethink This thing oh. Otherwise you'd probably Be yeah, drinking I'll give more you than H2O for science class I, uh. I
3: can't rethink it. I just saw Dolly She was just in Tennessee I thought she was just At the, the volunteer game She's she, making her right. rounds Man She's, she's making her rounds Rocky top And then there she's going to be <laughs> With America's team I don't know I think she's stretched too thin I, I don't know no, if it has the good. same impact for the, for the Cowboys.
2: Dolly's a star. She's gonna have to change her song. She's gonna have to change her lyrics though for this game. It's gonna be 30, working thirty-five to five is what that score is gonna be. Uh, oh. It's not gonna be nine to five on that. We gotta add, we gotta add some more numbers in there. Nice. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Rhett humming along with us. Uh, let's get yeah. to the let's get to the last game here. The nightcap. Uh, great divisional matchup. San Francisco, Seattle. Now, this one, I feel like could this one could really go either way. This is going to be a physical, competitive game up there in Seattle. What do you think, Buck?
3: Yeah, it depends on Geno Smith and his availability. If he plays, uh, the Seahawks certainly have a good, te- good chance to be able to get this done. But I'm going be honest with you, man. Having watched the Niners up close and personal after they made the move to get Chase Young, I don't know who knocks off this team. Because defensively, man, they can come at you, and they can come at you with waves of talent at the line of scrimmage. Chase Young, Nick Bolsa, Javon Hargrave, you have Eric Armstead; they're able to control the line of scrimmage, and then offensively, Brock Purdy is silencing all the naysayers that were doubting his game. This team is humming; they're rolling. I think they continue to roll uh, against the Seattle Seahawks.
4: Yeah, and, and the attrition here, I think, is a big deal for the Seahawks. Not just with Geno Smith, but Kenneth Walker sounds like uh, he's got a a pretty pretty good oblique injury here. You know, that's that's going to be tough for a running back trying to. Ah, uh, play without that core, um, you know, full strength here, and it sounds like he's not going to go on IR, but the oblique, you know, could keep him out here. So Zach Charbonnet steps into the lineup. Does that change, you know, the way that the the Seahawks want to want to attack here? Um, and Tyler Lockett's been beat up, but man, I feel like the 49ers are just surging at the right time after that three game losing streak in each of their couple of games uh, together. Um, I think that's going to be that's going to be something to watch here for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, guys. To I me, mean, when you look at the uh,
2: the 49ers, if you allow them to get into a rhythm early, you allow Brock Purdy to get going early and wear you out in the middle of the field. You've got to pack the middle of the field. You've got to force the ball out to the perimeter. It's easier said than done, but you do that with leverage. You do that with alignment. Um, they have got to force the ball outside. And uh, Buck, we say this when we're talking about when you're playing against the the Niners. Pick your poison. I mean, if, to me, I'm telling my linebackers, guys. If they run the ball on us, we're going to have to rally and tackle, and and we lose, we lose. But we've got to get our linebackers to get a little bit of depth here. We cannot let Brock Purdy get into that early rhythm like that, or that's going to be a long day, man.
3: Man, it's really it's so difficult to match up with because if you say, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to line up. We're going to jam the middle of the field. We're going to play man coverage. Well, then they line up in all these quirky formations with running bouts out wide, wide receivers in the backfield, tight ends at fullback. You just can't get a line. And then if you decide to play zone, man, they just pick you apart. Um, throwing over the middle field, they'll run it. And if you talk about, hey, I'm going to drop my linebackers back and let them run it. Well, the one thing we know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't mind running it, and they'll run for 200-plus yards. They'll let Christian McCaffrey get going. They'll try and start a new streak where he can score touchdowns all over the field. This is a very <laughs> difficult matchup for any team. And I think with the Seattle Seahawks, if they don't have Geno Smith where they can engage in a bit of a shootout, uh, it's going to be tough for them to just keep pace with the Niners.
2: And No doubt. Um, Speaking of the Niners defense, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the defensive lines of four teams. I feel like are on a collision course, two in the AFC and two in the NFC. We'll get to their defensive fronts in that conversation right after this.
1: BP added more than 70 billion dollars to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast.
2: We're looking at defensive fronts here of four teams. I thought these were four interesting teams that do it differently in terms of how they get after the quarterback and how they play. But, man, they have been excellent, and it feels like there's collision courses uh, on the way here. When you look at the NFC, you've got the 49ers and the Eagles. We're going to jump into how those two teams play up front. And then the AFC, man, the Baltimore Ravens, what they're doing defensively, as well as the Kansas City Chiefs. The offense hasn't been great. The defense has been outstanding. Uh, But let's start, first of all, with the 49ers. Uh, Buck, I want to get to you on them. You talked about it. You've talked about it a bunch since Chase Young has gotten there, uh, about the difference that that makes. But stylistically, what stands out to you and what makes them so difficult to block?
3: Well, the talent, the superior talent, makes them difficult to block. I mean, this is a team. I mean, we talk about Nick Bosa and Chase Young. You talk about high-end talents that were coming in out of Ohio State, and they've lived up. To the billing. And then you have Javon Hargrave, who can win his matchups one on one. Eric Armstead, who is long, uh, does a great job of pressing the pocket. And then what Steve Wilkes has done, and he's kind of deviated away from their previous formula. Since Chase Young is coming, we've seen more five man defensive lines where they're saying, hey, you're not going to be able to double team our guys. We got one on one battles. Our guys are better than your guys, and we're going to get after it. And look, a little tip of the cap to Chris Kasarik and what he does to get these guys going. Uh, They just wear you out, man. It's nothing fancy, a couple stunts, some games, but really my guys are better than your guys and we're just going to allow them to whoop you over and over again at the point of attack.
4: Yeah, Buck, I mean, that's been a lot of fun to watch and certainly a big piece of of where the Niners have come from since that three game losing streak. You know, Chase Young and Nick Bosa together. Yeah, you talked about the talent, uh, but, you know, getting coached up, you know, by one of the best in Chris Kasurik and being put in a nice plan with Steve Wilkes and the way that he's executing and and using those guys to the best of their abilities. Obviously, a big reason why I felt like that, that the 49ers are actually going to get the win over the Seahawks just because of those guys and where they are up front rushing the passer, DJ. Um, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And then, and as you talk about, I mean, the playmakers at, at all the levels there, not just the guys up front, but Fred Warner and um and obviously what they got going on, you know, in the back end too. So um that's that is a formidable, formidable front in, in defense. And it it certainly starts with the way they get after the quarterback.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to me, and I'll lump the 49ers together uh, with the Eagles, and we've talked about that collision course that's coming between those two teams. These are your true four-man rush teams. I mean, they're, they're, they're not super exotic. They'll mix in a linebacker here or there uh, for a five-man rush, but for the most part, it's their four. They let them attack. Um, you know, with with Bosa, you've got the complete package with the the power, the quickness, and the, the technique and polish. Chase Young, you know, going back to their tape, He's still, it's all about winning early or winning with power. He's not going to corner like Nick Bosa. They're different style rushers, but very effective. But Armstead can can drive you right back into the pocket. You look at Hargrave, he's got some quickness inside. It is just a dominant foursome that they bring to the table. And then as we shift over to the Eagles, that to me, they've got race cars on the outside with, with burst, technique, um, and finish. Uh, Sweat is an underrated player. Hassan Reddick is a premier, premier player. On the edge, mm-hmm. they can get home with four. Now they might mix in five a little bit more. They've done it with Sean as their new defensive coordinator. They'll bring the linebackers down there. Sometimes they'll even bring both of them down there and double mug um, and see if they can uh, and see if they can create some one on ones elsewhere. But it's still about that that speed off the edge, and then inside they have a bevy of guys that can throw at you with Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox, um, as well as the big man from Georgia and Jordan Davis, the other man from Georgia. So. Those teams in the NFC, Buck, I feel like are more kind of your true four, your true four-down teams and how they get home kind of in that fashion.
3: Yeah, they are true four-down teams. They really have committed the resources to make sure that they have enough players at a point of attack that they can bring forward and kind of attack you in ways. When we talk about the other conference, the other conference has a lot more schematics where they're creating those opportunities. But in the NFC, it's my guy's better than your guy. I'm going to let my guy beat your guy over and over and over again.
4: Yeah, I'll flip this thing over to the AFC here and some of the teams that you were mentioning. DJ, I'll start with the Baltimore Ravens uh, because I really feel like they've done a real nice job at, at exhausting all avenues to find ways to get after the quarterback. Obviously, we we mentioned a couple of weeks ago at Justin Matabike uh, Mat- and what he has done to bring a real interior presence to that team. It's taken him a couple of years, but man, he's having a breakout season, which is awesome to see. I, mean, I think you always kind of counted on a Owe being one of those guys that's going to get after the passer. He's got four sacks on the season. But man, when I talk about exhausting all the avenues, you go out and you get Jadevian Clowney late, right? Late to start this season for your team. And then in week four, you bring Kyle Van Noy in. noy has got six sacks since week four. He's been a perfect fit. Uh, for this defense and the way that they want to run things uh there in Baltimore. and so I just I, I love how they're they're finding ways to supplement their team and they've been doing this every year, right Justin Houston uh, was Clayus Campbell they they find ways to continue to be a force in the pass rush and that's whether that's you know through the draft like we've seen with a couple of different guys or going out and getting guys who've been tossed aside elsewhere and man, come in and it's been a really good scheme fit DJ with what Baltimore wants to do.
2: This is going to be the most copied scheme. There's going to be a tree here. Mike McDonald's probably going to get a head coaching job pretty soon, but you're going to see teams hire defensive coaches off of this staff from this scheme because if you look at it from a quarterback standpoint, they're they're of all these defenses to me would be the most difficult to go up against because you don't know where they're coming from. They have a variety of rushers on the outside. You can't climb up in the pocket because they got Michael Pierce who looks like he's 400 pounds uh, just Mm -hmm. pushing the pocket from, from inside. Um, you've got so many different ways you can. When you talk about Van Noy, well, you can use him, you can move him around, do different things with him. Owe and Clowney are just, you know, two super explosive edge rushers getting up the field. And then you've got Hamilton, who's an unbelievable blitzer. You've got yeah. Queen, who's outstanding as a blitzer. They all their second and third level players know how to rush. And talking to Baldy, our buddy Brian Baldinger, he said they spend time. Chuck Smith, who they hired, not only working with their defensive linemen, they work with their blitzers on winning and understanding technique of how to win. And I think that's a little underrated. Uh, but they they would be the most difficult group to me uh, to face. Then when you flip it over to the Chiefs, uh, Rhett, you watch that defense. Chris Jones is just like, he he's, he's a monster. He is, of all these teams, they're the most individual focused of him. Like he is the one piece. If you say the Jenga mm-hmm. piece of these four teams... Chris Jones is taken out of that group that changes everything. Like he makes everything work. Everything works off him. He's either getting home or he's drawing so much attention that's freeing up others. I like I like Mike Dana, he's a good player, Carl Loftus, solid player, but when you watch them it is Chris Jones and everybody else.
4: Well, yeah, I mean it's clear that Chris Oh, is the, Chris Jones is against the, the, the world. Stir that... Yeah, he's the one that's, that stirs the, the straw that stirs the drink for sure. But I do think that there is something to be said for those unsung heroes in this, right? The George Karlofs of the world, the Mike Dana. Um, and then they've got some great speed at the second level, too, which I know we talk about a lot um, You know, with Willie Gay out there. But I, yeah, I mean, Chris Jones, if you're talking about like pure disruptor out of all the teams that we've mentioned here, I mean, it might be the it might be the most difficult to deal with. Like even with Bosa and Young, like I just feel like the way Chris Jones's path to the quarterback um, is probably the most disruptive. Buck, what do you think?
3: Yeah, no, because they have given him the freedom on in, in in every play. He can line up wherever he wants to line up to take advantage of the favorable matchup. It makes it very very difficult for you as an offense to figure out how do we want to set our protections. He is a dominant. Disruptive play at the point of attack. Spags does a great job of complementing that by bringing exotic pressures from anywhere, meaning second-level blisters coming, corners coming, everyone's coming to create those one-on-ones. And so it's problematic. And then back to DJ's point about Baltimore, Baltimore does it in a clever fashion, too. Mike McDonald's done a really good job of bringing, I would say, some of these collegiate schemes To the pros, some of these simulated pressures where it looks like they're bringing uh, six or seven, but they're only bringing four and dropping out guys late. It is really confusing and confounding quarterbacks and play callers around the league. It is fun to watch all four of these teams get after the passer because they all do it in different ways, but I think you can gain an appreciation for every approach that these coordinators are using.
2: Yeah, I mean, you watch one play in in Baltimore. Michael Pierce and Travis Jones both touch the guards and bounce out and are looking for crossers that's 700 pounds at the second level you have there as they're bringing (laughs) other rushers and it's it's i'm just saying like from a quarterback like you watched joe burrow and uh, unfortunately i heard in that game but man his eyes you don't ever see that from joe burrow his eyes were dropping like it was chaotic they create a lot of chaos uh with the way that they call defense so uh, i i do think that's going to be the one of the most copied schemes once we get to the offseason with what they're doing Is it's impressive um all right. That's going to do it for us today. That was a fun topic. Enjoyed that one. Uh, great show, guys. Good work. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow. Uh, we'll be right back at it here. Uh, but We appreciate you guys watching and listening. And we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
5: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Let's go places.